0: Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Sermons podcast. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.crossroadstw.org. Good morning, church. Let's give it up to the students, to uh, Daquan and his staff and team and volunteers. Man, uh, camp was legit. And so thank you, church, for praying and uh, just for being a part of it in a big way. Obviously, your giving, helps support, Uh, The missions and uh, things we do, not just activities, but really advancing the gospel. It's kingdom advancement. So that's what we're really all about. We want to be a church. Uh, I told us to a pastor in uh, Miami the other day on the phone, and he was like, bro, can I steal that? I go, man, you sure can. I said, uh, we want to be a church that's uh, a taste of heaven a long way from home. That's all y'all heard me say. That's who we want to be. That's us vertically focused, vertically focused about Jesus, not about us, Okay. We want to be connected in community. Discipleship happens in community, but then also we want to live on mission. And, and so we want, that's us. That's the mission statement. People say, what's, what's the vision? Where are we going? That is it. Okay, that is it. All right, I don't know how many times that I articulate it, um, but that's going to be it. We're going to have a series on this specifically in August. We're going to walk through this. It's going to be kind of a big deal, kind of here we go. It's, we're launching. It's the full thread. And so I'm excited about that. That's coming up. Uh, in August. And so, yeah, a lot to be thankful for. We're in the second week of this series entitled Seven Letters, Seven Letters to the Church. Okay, Seven Letters to the Churches in Revelation. So, we're excited about that. Man, it's a great, great time. It's funny because one of the, the stanzas in the song was um, Beauty Out of Ashes. And that's kind of, if you're a note taker, that's what the, today's topic is. The sermon title is, is Beauty from Ashes. Beauty from Ashes. Well, how do you get that, Pastor Marcus? from one of the seven churches. I get it from this, that Smyrna, the second church we're gonna look at today, was a church that was known for its suffering. It was known, it was a church that suffered. It was a church known from the community. Uh, There was a suffering church. There was suffering going on the inside. There was issues on the inside. There was drama on the outside. It was a church known known for suffering. One of the working definitions we talked about last week as we kicked off this series was this. If the Lord had it his way, If the Lord truly had it his way, crossroads, what would the church look like? Not just little C church, I'm talking about capital C church around the world. Truly, if we say, God, you're God, and we're not, you're the creator, we're the created. If he had it his way, what would the church look like? That is really what the the premise and the betting of these seven letters are really about, putting Jesus in his rightful place. And so we're going to be in uh, Revelation chapter 2. Looking at verse 8 through 11, it's the church of Smyrna, okay, the church of Smyrna. If you're looking for names to name your kid, how about Smyrna? Amen. Start there, all right? I'll tell you what the name means in just a little bit, Smyrna. Here it is. Uh, The Bible says this in verse 8, chapter 2 of Revelation. And to the angel of the church, and to the angel of the church in Smyrna write the words of the first, the last who died and came to life. I know your tribulations and your poverty, but you are rich. Look at that in parentheses. It says, but you are rich. I'll expand on that in just a little bit. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue, check this out, in my Bible, it's in red. So Jesus, he can actually say this and get away with it. He says, but they are, or, but the people that slander you, that say they're Jews and they're not, They are synagogue from the synagogue of Satan. Do not fear, though. Don't trip. Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison. Now that'd be a day you're like, I'm not. If you knew this was going to happen, you wouldn't come into church, right? Now, mind you, the building you had um, corporate gatherings, but you also had individual gatherings. But I'm saying this would have been a day that hey, look, I'm gonna play hooky from church. I'm playing hooky. I'm staying home. Okay. But he says, look, I'm gonna, he's going to throw you into prison. Why? Well, that you may be tested. And for 10 days, you will have tribulation. I'll explain what that means. Be faithful unto death, he says, and I will give you the crown of life. Hallelujah. He who has ears or her, let him or her hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the, the, second, the second death. Here it is, Smyrna, 40 miles north from Ephesus. We looked at Ephesus last week. This was the church that actually departed their first love. And this is where this church is at, 40 40 miles north. It was a port city, very popular at this particular time when John was writing it. It was about 100,000 people in population. It was actually, I didn't share this in the first hour, it was actually a planned community somewhat like the woodlands. It's kind of weird, right? It was a planned community. Smyrna was a planned community. They had a, um, not like a mayor or governor or anything like that, they had just a township that actually ruled and governed this particular city. But it was also known for its myrrh, okay? So myrrh. A lot of people came from different cities to get myrrh, so they, they love this particular um, item that they can get. It was a hot commodity during that time. So what you can do with it, once someone passes away, if you're reminded of the earlier New Testament stories, when people came to Jesus' burial or other burials, they, they bless the bodies with myrrh. It's this fragrance. It's, a, it's a, 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 a nice aroma. So really, this is what the word Smyrna means. Smyrna means myrrh. In other words, Smyrna means fragrance under persecution. Fragrance under persecution. Let me just say this real quick. We all smell like something. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're right. Yeah, you're right. Hopefully you smell like right guard and not left guard. Amen. Right? That's old school joke, but y'all forgive me. Amen. But we all smell like something. Smyrna, growing city, Jesus writes to them through his servant, John. And he starts off by saying, hey, look, I want you to see something in verse eight as we piggybacked on and started with in uh, chapter two and verse two, that the Lord is sovereign. Look at verse eight, and to the angel of the church, again, we talked about this means angel of the church means to obviously pastor or leaders or plurality of leaders in the actual congregation. So, hey, look, hey, hey, church leaders, here's the deal. He says, the words of the first and the last who died and who came to life. So here it is. He's saying, look, I am the one that's telling you this. I'm the one that's writing this. I'm the one who's all that in a bag of chips. In other words, I'm underscoring what I told you in chapter one. I'm the alpha and I am the omega and I'm everything in between. So I want you to know as you write this, know that I am sovereign and I am in control. Not just sovereign in a sense of I'm just, I created everything and I'm spinning it into his existence so it can exist by itself. No, I am very intricately involved in my creation. So in other words, I was going to have an umbrella whoop, 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 and pop it up, but some of y'all be like, no, don't do that. I'm superstitious and all this stuff. Everybody be, you know, how can you be a Christian and superstitious at the same time? I don't get it. So anyway, but I was going to have, I was going to have an umbrella. I should have had one just to throw some of y'all off. Hey, Amen. Like, oh, 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 oh. like the black cat going across your path, oh, oh, Right? It's just a cat. Amen. So I'm digressing quickly here. So anyway, <laughs> stay with me online. Uh, but if I pop the umbrella up, the idea is, for the Christian, you and I, blood-bought believers, redeemed and sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit, Amen. is that the umbrella is symbolic for God's sovereignty uh, all around us. But if we step from out underneath, we can actually, he's still sovereign. He's still going to bring us back. But the idea is everything that comes into your life and into my life, whether good or bad, is under God's sovereign umbrella. Nothing comes to you and I except having gone through the hands of God first. Y'all need to hear that. This is big for the crust of the rest of this story. This is big so we can understand what Smyrna, why they were known as the Fragrance City or the Fragrance Church, and wow, how beauty can come out of ashes. Well, it's just like, man, God is in control, man. Hey, look, don't trip. And here's the funny thing. None of us really love suffering. Anybody in here just signs up for suffering? Anybody? Like, I, I really want to meet that cat. Amen. Like, sign me up on your calendars a whole week. Boom, boom, boom. Seven days. Hey, out of five days, Lord, this week, give me straight suffering. Capital S. Nobody, nobody, nobody does that. Who, who does that? It's, it's kind of like my wife. She, um, I met her. She's so intriguing. I mean, y'all talked about her being my gospel fox last week. Amen. Y'all can steal that. That's cool. Amen. So, uh, But she told me she ran triathlons. When I first met her, I said, man, try a try who? Right? We, we didn't run triathlons in the inner city. Amen. Going to the liquor store, or the corner store to get a, a pickle and uh, maybe like a, a fountain drink or something like that. That's what we did. We ran to the store, ran home. Amen. That was it. She said, I ran a triathlon. I said, man, what is a triathlon? Well, when you swim one mile, I'm dead. You bike 25, I'm doubly dead. And then you run 6.2 miles. I'm, I'm, I'm done. We have some, some uh, members here. I got a couple pictures. Members here at the church, man, that they uh, uh, go ahead and throw that. That's the cue. Amen. man, there it is. So we have Casey Clark and Philip De Prang. They, uh This is a triathlon that they ran together. So um, it's Casey and his, his father-in-law. But they, they do this on a regular basis. They're good at this. They just, they sign up for these. They love it. Now, granted, you have to prepare for them before you just jump in them, okay? I don't advise anybody to just come off the couch from smashing Doritos and try to run a triathlon. <laughs> it ain't going to happen, okay? Maybe your dreams, but it ain't going to happen. So, but these two fit guys on point, triathlon. Go to the next, next picture. But see, here's Casey and his brother, and they're running what's called the Iron Man. Like, like, that's on some other stuff. Triathlon, maybe Marcus Hayes can sign up for. Maybe. Maybe. Iron Man? No, you got the wrong dude. <laughs> so it's just on a whole other level. Now, here it is. If Casey called me and said, hey, Pastor Man, hey, bro, will you, I'm, I'm running the Iron Man, will you watch it online? Will you get on, uh, it's gonna be on Fox News or whatever, Fox TV, whatever, I don't know, I'm just saying stuff. But it's gonna be on Fox, and I want you to watch it. i say, man, yeah, I'll watch it all day long. That's why, I man, I'm turning it on, man. I'm going to have some chips, some Doritos, and then I'm going to sit there and I'm going to watch this Iron Man. Amen, right? But if he changes, shifts gears and go, hey, look, will you, um, will you actually come to the site and cheer us on and watch in the sun? I may go, eh, maybe a little reluctancy there, but I still may do it. But if he shifts gears and say, hey, man, when you run running with me, I'm saying, bro, you, I'm, I'm done, I'm out. Here's what I'm sensing when it comes to suffering in the life of the Christian. The Lord is not calling us to pick and choose different spiritual triathlons to run. He's not saying from heaven, um, uh, well, well, if you want to do this, uh, you can do this when it comes to suffering or what it means to be a disciple. He's not saying you can do X, Y, or Z. He's saying this, as he said in Luke nine twenty three: if anyone follows me or come after me, they must deny themselves, pick up their cross, and follow me daily. So it's this whole Idea, man, I don't really want to do this. And so, out of our text, we see something very interesting. We see from Smyrna, the church that means myrrh, a fragrance in the midst of suffering, that when we face seasons of suffering, here's the first thought for note takers. When we face seasons of suffering, we need to remember that God sees and knows what we're going through. This is so good. Verse 9 says, I know your tribulations right out of the gate. First of all, sovereignty, okay? The first and the last who died, who conquered the grave. Amen. Then he says, I know. I know your, your tribulation. Now this word know means intimately. He's not saying again, I'm distant from it. I know exactly what you're going through. Amen. But tribulation is this word, an idea of being pressed together, that pressing, pressing always, all the way to the pressing of the spirit. It's that deep affliction. Anybody ever been there? When you don't know how to pray, you don't, know how to, you don't even know how to cry, right? You're just, you just a hot mess. You're pressed on all sides. And this is the context of the church in Smyrna. They're pressed. They're pressed. And so the Lord out of the gate goes, look, I, I, you need to know this in the midst of suffering, seasons of suffering, that I know. That I know. That I actually see you. I just wrote my notes real quick, man. Aren't you glad today, church, that God sees and knows you? We don't serve a a cold statue. We don't serve some made-up, lowercase g, God. You and I have the privilege of knowing Elohim, the creator, through his son, Jesus Christ, and come into a relationship with him through Jesus Christ, and to be back, brought, back, brought, uh, brought back into a union with the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ. He's living, he's alive, and he's writing to this church, and he's writing to you and I today. But isn't it great that God knows? God is with us. He's with you. But not just he knows, he also, he can relate to the pain. What about the Garden of Gethsemane? He knew <laughs> to where blood, his sweat was like uh, drops of blood, anguish. Getting ready to die for your sin and my sin. Here it is. He knows. So, him saying, I know your tribulation. He's not just saying some fancy things. I love it because God is, he's hes preeminent. In other words, he's first, he's holy, he's outside of time, but he's also imminent in a sense that he's near to you and I. He's so close to you. I hope you hear this. If there's anything else you hear me today, you, I say today, must you must hear this, that God, he sees you and he knows your name. He knows exactly what you're going through. And he says, I know your tribulation. I know it. I know it. I know it. I know it. What about he was with uh, Lazarus and those, those, uh, his sisters, right? What about the great song? There's another in the fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and a bad billy goat. Amen. There's another in the fire. God's presence was with them. Even though it was unfavorable, but God, yet he was still with. He was with them. Paul, two different times. In the book of Acts, and then even in 2 Timothy, would say that at his lowest point, the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. He stood by and strengthened me, gave me strength to make it so I can spread the gospel. Isn't that great? At Paul's lowest point, God was with him. It's a beautiful thing. But he says this he says, Well, you're suffering persecution, but let me back up. He said, You're rich. Now, the idea here is again, not talking about monetarily rich. He says, I know your poverty. But you're rich. You're rich in the gospel. You're rich in Jesus Christ. Church, I don't know. As I was studying this this week, I'm just thinking, how rich are we in Jesus? What the gospel offers you and I. Yes, salvation, but then thereafter. What you and I can walk in and experience every single single day. We say, man, you can walk in the fact that I've conquered the grave. I conquered death. I silenced death. I took the sting out of death. I live the perfect life for you. Uh, And for others and for all the world, I was the perfect substitute and sacrifice. I'm the one who satisfied the father's wrath 100% towards sin. You didn't have to do it. Matter of fact, we can't do it. Jesus stepped in and was that substitute for you and I. In other words, now based out of the, the resurrection, the empty tomb, dunamis, which is the Greek word for power or dynamite. He's saying this, you're rich in the fact that though you are being pressed on all sides and this fragrance is coming out, you need to know that dunamis power An empty tomb is empty Sunday to Sunday you have the power to live for me and in me and through me every single day you're rich church you're rich to make it to have the right viewpoint but the church was having they're getting persecuted man on the inside look at this it's funny the Bible says this man I'm not making this up he says you're rich so make sure you dwell on that let that be your foundation This is right after that, the next clause, and the slander of those who say that they are Jews, and they are not. I love how the Lord just goes, yes, no, sheep, goat. He can call it out. But then he says this very alarming thing. He says, but are a synagogue of Satan. Let me just say this real quick. Do you know that the enemy can deceive you, even those in the church, to think that you're serving the Lord, but you're actually serving the enemy? You think you're doing God a favor, but you're actually hindering the work of God. Marcus, what do you mean? You think about, look at Paul the apostle in Acts 7. He literally thought he was doing God a favor. While y'all stone Stephen, I'm going to talk about Stephen in the back end of this sermon. While y'all stoning Stephen, hey, give me all your garments, stone me. So I want to, I wanna. any baseball people in there, I want to make sure you get the best throw, the best velocity, everything. Give me, I don't want anything to hinder you stoning this guy, so let me hold your garments. I'm doing you a favor. I'm doing God a favor. No, it's not the case. And these people in this text thought they were doing God a favor and and they actually were working for the enemy and the Lord calls them out and he says, don't you, don't you even worry about it. Don't you worry about it. Don't you worry about it. Secondly, we see this. When we face seasons of suffering, we should not fear. It's very easy to say that. It's another thing to actually experience it and actually live it out. Fear. Now we're all fearful of different things. It'd be amazing to go around the room and say, just let me know what you're fearful of. It'd be amazing. Like, some people be like, man, spiders, right? I'd be like, I'm with you, right? You know what I mean? Some people be like, man, just driving next to diesels, right? Just drive some people crazy, like, oh, God. You know what I mean, just, just, especially when they start drifting, it's just some weird stuff. We're all fearful of different things. Some of us, we worry in our worrying, and we don't even know what we're worrying about. We're just fearful people. The writer says this, John. Governed by the Spirit, when you face, church, when you face seasons of suffering, you should not fear. Look at verse 10. Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Don't, don't even, it's, it's, in other words, he's saying have the right view. Have the right view of suffering. Jesus promised that this would happen. You say, man, out of all the promises that the Lord promised, I don't want that one. He promised that we will suffer. He promised that those who desire to live righteous will suffer persecution. He promised that they hated him first, so therefore the world is going to hate us. He promised and said, don't let your heart be overtaken over, um, um, by the world, for I've overcome the world. Don't, um, this is going to happen. It's not going to be a surprise, so why are we surprised? Church, in Smyrna, I want you to know something. Do not fear when you are about to suffer. How can I do this? Well, the fact that you're rich. Spiritually in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you think about suffering. It's funny because social media in our culture has done a crazy thing in our psychology and just how we function as humans. So, different platforms, Twitter, you got Instagram, you know, Facebook, TikTok, whatever. You got all this stuff. But the crazy thing about social media platforms is this. The moment somebody disagrees with you or you disagree with them, you can what? Unfollow them. Like, this is reality in our world. This is a real reality in our world, guys. Y'all know that, right? Like, the moment somebody says something that disagrees with me, I can unfollow them. I can, I can even block them. Anybody ever block somebody here? I like my sister. She keeping it real. She's like, yep, yep. There ain't no, no shame in the game, right? Yep. See, y'all just playing church. She keeping that thing real. You can block people. And this is crazy. This is like this phenomenon. And the Lord is saying, when you face the seasons like this, don't fear. Don't try to unfollow me. As a matter of fact, he's telling his church in Smyrna, I want you to press in to the richness of the gospel. Press in to the richness of who you are in me, not outside of me. Press in to the reality of the tomb, that the tomb is empty. So why suffering? Lord, I mean, why? Why we got to suffer? Well... Several reasons I wrote these down. I'm just going to blast them real quick. Maybe to discipline us. The Bible says this in Hebrews 12, 11, that he disciplines those whom he what? Hmm. Aren't you glad that, I mean, he loves you. So if there's no discipline in your life. Whew, so maybe discipline, maybe preventative. Sometimes God allows a different time at different times in our life to keep us from something. He prevents things. And so therefore, this is this reality of suffering. What about growth? God allows and checks off, think of the umbrella, checks off on seasons in our lives so that in these seasons, you and I, growth can occur like never before. I'm going to tell you what, some of the times, the most growthful times and fulfilling times, and matter of fact, looking like Jesus, it comes from seasons of suffering. Do y'all know that? It's times that we don't like. We want to get out of them. We want to fast forward, and we want to get out of it. Lord, take me out of this. But God is perfecting something in the midst of it, if you look at the book of James. What about testing? Look at, the, look at 10B. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil's about to throw some of you into prison. That's crazy. And I thought about this in my study. I'm not, I just wrestled with thoughts, and I said, will, I be, will the devil come after me? Will he come after you to throw you in prison? Is there enough evidence to throw you in prison, or will he not even mess with you? Oh, I ain't work it down. They, they working for me because he said, "Hey, look! I want y'all to know this is Jesus talking. I want you to know that He's coming to throw some of you in jail." What's the purpose? Is for your testing. Possibly, this is the greatest point of suffering that God allows it to test us. There's always a right and a wrong answer when we take tests. In other words, tests usually reveal the faith that's there or the faith that's not there in our lives. Yeah. I think COVID 2020, has, it did just that. As I talked to more pastors, more pastors, more pastors, it did just that. It revealed the real us. Y'all have heard me say that from this stage. Yeah. COVID really exposed the real you. Yeah, so here it is. The test. Anybody know the name of Polycarp? That rings a bell. Any Bible scholars in the room? Polycarp was, he was the disciple of John. It's interesting. So before John died, he discipled this man named Polycarp. Polycarp would go on to be called the Bishop of Smyrna. The Bishop of Smyrna. So he was doing life there, planting churches there in this city. And so the, the council came and they said, you must stop spreading this gospel. You have to stop. You, we're done with this. And so the guards, what do they do? They put him in prison. They arrested him. And while his guards ate supper, Polycarp prayed. He prayed. Here's what the um, Fox's Book of Martyrs said about this particular incident. He prayed with such fervency. Check this out, church. He prayed, Polycarp did, with such fervency that his guards repented. That means they thought they were doing the right thing. So they turned and began to do the right thing. They trusted Jesus. So they, the guards repented and turned from what they were currently doing. He was, however, carried before the proconsul condemned and burnt in the marketplace. He was burned. They took him off the burning piece. They used him as a nightlight. They burned his body, took him down. He was still living. His body is oozing, pussing from the burns. And they stood him before the council and said, will you stop talking about this Jesus? How are we doing that situation? Like like, really, like real, I'm not talking about cotton candy Christianity here. This is real life Christianity. So here's Polycarp, he's looking. He's from Smyrna. He, he has this array, aroma and fragrance coming from his life, and, and the other guards see it. And so he said this in his rebuttal towards the proconsul. He said this. They said, swear, and we will release you. Ooh, how tempting. Swear. Don't, don't say his name again. Swear, and we'll release you. Think about what you would do in that situation. Here's what he said. Eighty and six years I have served him, talking about God, and he never once wronged me. How then should I blaspheme my king, my savior, and my Lord in my dying day? He has saved me. The Bible, I mean, he goes on to say history tells us that they said, okay, well, then they stabbed him multiple times and then hung him back up and burned him till his death. February 23, 155 A.D. to be exact. Fragrance. The fragrance. Fragrance. Smell like something, but then you must know this, that people are always watching. Y'all know that? People are always watching. Uh, Last week, I think it was last week, I had had the privilege of taking my younger daughter to um, breakfast. It was Black Bear. Anybody been to Black Bear diner? Well, if you like it or not they got the baking game locked up okay <laughs> baking game locked up don't try it don't tempt me it's locked up so here it is so I'm here with my baby girl she's four she's just loving it. she's with her daddy man it was just a great time my older girls were at um, a camp here in the area my wife was off doing something I had just little little Naomi we're sitting there chilling and we sit down and we have about uh, let's see one two and then that third table from us there's a lady that came and sat down she sat down and she was watching me it's the weirdest thing man but she had a hat on. You ever seen anybody with a hat on? You really can't see the eyeballs? It was weird. I was like, first of all, why are you inside of a diner and you don't work here? I see so if you got to have a net on your head as you're stirring up the eggs or something like that. But you got a hat on sitting here and the hat was so low. I mean, from the shade, I couldn't see. I said, so is she asleep? What's she doing? What, man, she's just staring at me like this here. And so I'm with my daughter. I'm just sitting there. I'm like, okay, baby, crossword puzzles we drawing. And I'm helping her solve some stuff. And then I'm like this like, man, this is crazy, right? So then I'm like, man, okay, man, I, a couple things go to me. I always go to the extreme. I'm saying, maybe I'm being followed. <laughs> like I'm in some reality movie, something going on, I'm being, Marcus Hayes is being followed right now, right? It's happening. On my dime, on my watch. Nay, nay, we gonna get out of this thing, okay? I said, maybe I'm being followed. And so we go back to doing some stuff. We're singing, and doing stuff, and then I do this here again. And sure enough, She's watching. So now I'm thinking, okay, man, I think she just has the hots for the black man. Amen, right? It's It's either somebody follow me or she got the hots. So we go back again. And I look again. We ate and we got out of there. Do you know that the following week, this lady came into church? Crossroads, walked up to me. She wasn't wearing a hat. Walked up to me and said, I was the lady watching you. And it sounds weird. Just let me finish the story. Amen. I was the lady watching you at Black Bear. Here's the point. I thought about it. Said, Man, that's a great analogy. People are always watching, literally. So let me ask you this question. What do you smell like? When people see you, when you walk in a room, what do people think? Polycarp said, man, I, I, I dare not deny my king. And church, Smyrna, governed by the spirit of, spirit of God, John says, don't worry about it. Don't fear. When we face seasons of suffering, remain faithful. It's the last point we're landing a plane. Remain faithful because we know how the story ends. You and I, we know how the story ends. Look at the rest of the passage. He says, be faithful unto death. And I will be faithful. How can I do that? Man, this is tough. I'm pressed to the point of to my spirit. How can I actually do this? Well, you're rich. Lean into the gospel. I love what um, Tim Keller said. It's not as if, uh, you know, the gospel is, you know, the A to Z or the A, B, and Cs of the Christianity is A through Z. In other words, he's saying, man, how you come to Christ is how you stay connected to Christ and how you grow in Christ. That's the richness of the gospel. He says we'll be faithful to death and I will give you look at that intimate picture He says I will give you not another angel Not some other messenger for the Lord You endure Amen. though your present sufferings yes they're real it's a real reality They cannot compare to the glory we'll, ex- we'll experience when we see him He says I will give you the crown of life I will give you the crown of life and let me just say this real quick some of us, we've got some bad news from the doctor. I want to encourage you that God knows and he sees you and he loves you. Some of us, we have prodigals. They've been going for many years. You just need to hear this based off this text, that God sees your tribulation. You're being pressed on all sides and he loves you. Some of us, we've lost loved ones. Just saying, how can I go on? How can I make it? How can I take another step? I don't know what to do. I want to remind you, based off this text, and God affirms it and confirms it. He sees your tribulation. He sees you, and he also knows and empathizes with you. Maybe it's a spouse in a home that doesn't lead well. For the husband, the wife is the spiritual leader. For the wife, I want to say this. Hang in there. God sees you. For the husband... Let's, let's shift gears. But at the same time, God sees you and he still loves you. Amen. This is profound, saints. Be faithful to the end. He says, unto death I will give you. Here's what D.L. Moody said, and we're going to land a plane. Dio Moody said this, he who is born once will die twice. He who is born twice will die only once. In other words, if you know Jesus... When you check out, this hyphen moment, I was born in 1977, don't hold it against me. We're in this hyphen moment, some of y'all are like, you young, right, don't trip. Hyphen moment, I have a checkout date, all of us have a checkout date. Here's the reality. When I check out, I'm going to live forever. But for those, as you keep reading Revelation, those that don't know him, you, you literally die, and then you'll be resurrected again for the die once you'll die another time resurrected for a second judgment another judgment Wow, who wants to do that he says this i'll give you the crown of life he said the the one who conquers look at the last portion the one who conquers will not be hurt by the second the second death because you're with me i thought about this i said man what is what are some things that some martyrs have said man you guys can come on up like martyrs in their last hour, staring eternity in, in the eyes. And sometimes I think, well, it's all about how you finish. Yes, it's about how you, how you live now, for sure. But how will you finish? What will people say about you? It's amazing, you know, do, doing so many funerals through the years and being by people's bedside, they'll say, Pastor, Here's my request. As they're they're, they're weakened and you just see their demise happening, they'll say something like this. When I die, if one person comes to know Jesus, it's all worth it. How can you say that in such tribulation and suffering? Their view is right. Their view is right. Here's what Spurgeon said. Spurgeon said, great theologian, on his deathbed and literally it's recorded that he after saying this seven minutes or so after he Boo! check this out all the profound theology that this guy housed in his body he said this in his last hours jesus died for me jesus died for me Spurgeon, here's what martin luther said our god from whom salvation comes God is the Lord by whom we escape death. And he said, hallelujah. Augustus said this, I enjoy, I'm enjoying heaven already. He was still on his deathbed. He said, I'm enjoying heaven already. And he says, my prayers are now converted into praises. They're being converted. I'm still on this side in time. Well, they're being converted as I'm looking at death, as I'm, I'm being faithful to the end, I'm, I'm staying the course because I'm rich in the riches of the gospel, in the riches of Jesus Christ, and under the sovereignty of his umbrella. I am good to go. I don't have to fear. I do have to worry. God's got me. He says this. He says, my prayers are being converted to praises. Here's what Stephen said, being stoned. Y'all know this. You can go back and read in Acts 7. He said, Lord, as people stoned him, his last words, he said this, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. People hitting him in the head with rocks. you talking about suffering well? Something else in Acts 7 that's profound, that underscores Smyrna. And myrrh, because myrrh has to be pressed, grind, grinded down, pounded to get the fragrance. The Bible says in Acts 7 that when Stephen was being stoned, Jesus is normally depicted as being seated at the right hand of the Father. In Acts 7, the Bible says that he's actually standing. Jesus is standing. And church, I don't know if that does anything for you. That encourages me Hallelujah. in that when I'm going through suffering and God is producing in me some myrrh and fragrance for his glory and my growth, Hallelujah. he's standing. I'm with you. Glory I see you. Praise I affirm it. I'm with you. I know what this is like. I, I'm with I've been through it. I endured the I'm with you. I'm with you. The Bible says he's standing as Stephen is being stoned. What a king we serve. What a great God we serve. He keeps his promises. The moment you were born to the moment you leave. So press in to the empty tomb because church spiritually, you're rich. Jesus, thank you for this time that we had to look at Smyrna. Small port city thousands of years ago and still... There's still some rubble around and present tense. What a great testimony and story to this day. Lord, help us to remember in our seasons of suffering that you know and you see us. You care Ah, that we're rich. We can lean in and we can experience your grace and mercy and joy and peace and hope and love. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to fear because we have a different viewpoint. And that viewpoint is this, is that we can endure because we know how the story ends. Lord, you have your perfect work in our life as a church, but also individually. We pray this in Jesus' name.